Cool. All right. Many have come to Hope Fellowship from different backgrounds. We're an eclectic group. <laughs> we really are. A, a mixed bag of denominations, mixed bag of history. And uh, when you walk in the door here, you can't assume anything. You just can't, we can't even assume what I'm going to be talking about. <laughs> it's really funny. So today, what I want to do is kind of summarize who we are as a church, why we do what we do, what we believe. Because some people have asked, well, what do you guys actually believe in? And, and how did you start? How long have you been here? All that fun stuff. So I'm going to try and cover as much of that in rapid fire succession today as I can. So I'd like to begin with uh, the, the kickoff verse that this church was launched with. So those who were the founders of this church, those who were here at the very beginning when it launched, I believe Dan and Alan, you were here then, was it not? You were part of the original core? No? You weren't? You were really close to it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Rod Sider, I think, is the last one. Oh, Jackie, you're here too. Okay, cool. Good. And Frank, Kenneth Francis, that's right. And Carol. Good. This is good. So all the people that were before me, <laughs> it's great. Um, anyway, this verse was the, the launch pad uh, for what this church had hoped for. They met uh, uh, after a certain church had closed. I believe it was called Grace Presbyterian. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. It closed down. And so a core people wanted to keep going, saying, you know what? There's something we feel that we need to keep going. We, we're not done. God's not done with his group yet. And so uh, they met together, they prayed about this, and this verse came up. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And it's out of this verse, Hope Fellowship was launched, which is kind of cool. Um, later on, when, uh, when I came on board, uh, about, I'm in my 15th year now, I did the math. Uh, so this is, uh, this is year 15 starting. Uh, this next verse was the New Covenant counterpart of Jeremiah. This is an Old Covenant promise. This is the New Covenant one. Most of you know the version that says, you know, here's the secret Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. This is from the Mirror Bible. I love this. In Colossians 1:27, in us, God desires to exhibit the priceless treasure of His glorious unveiling of Christ's indwelling, Christ in you, in order that every nation will recognize him as in a mirror. The unveiling of Christ in you exceeds mankind's every expectation. And then in brackets, uh, subnote, this is the mystery that was hidden for ages and generations. It is Christ in you. He is not hiding in history or in outer space, nor in the future, neither in the pages of scripture. He is merely mirrored there to be unveiled within you which is the launch for Christ in you. And that's one of the core things we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ. Each of you has a part in it. Now, growing up, this verse was used as a club, as in, bonk you on the head. See, you have to now participate in church. Well, we've been unlearning that here for a long time. This is not about guilt. It's not about hammering people. It's about sharing the life and love of Christ and inviting those who want to participate in this local body as they wish. And so we do all have a part. Every single person here has a role, some role, even if it's just sitting quiet and being nice. It's a role. It's a participation. Your presence here makes a difference because if you weren't here, you wouldn't be experiencing what is going on here. 
And there's a benefit to coming together regularly, not as a club, as in a guilt thing, but as a benefit of participating as a family. Our vision as a church, we came up with this a couple years ago, thanks to Nancy, who helped us walk through much of the strategic planning and, and vision statements. So thank you, Nancy. Your son even had a, a line in here. It's, it's in there. You'll see it. It's really cool. But I want to share with you the general vision of the church, and that is that we are healed and whole people who are free to be themselves in Christ. Most of the church in the West is not free in Christ because they don't know who they are. They are trying to become somebody through actions, through behaviors, through corrections, in order to shape themselves into something. But if they only look inside and realize the oneness they have with Christ and then live from that, that is victorious, free living. Our mission is to help people understand, believe, and experience the love of God. I think this is paramount. The love of God is the most critical thing we need to understand believe. You need to believe it or it's no good to you. And I want everyone to experience it day to day in your everyday walk. As you have coffee with one another, as you have, uh, as you're at your job doing whatever it is you do as you drive. Yes, drive nicely. Anyway, we'll leave that one alone. Our values, some of the things that we really value as a church. And uh, if you've never seen these before, I'm going to go pretty quick. You can always come back to the video and watch later. Basically, we want to accept people freely and openly. This is an accepting church. Even if we don't get it right all the time, we're practicing this. And it's, it's a, I believe it's a safe place for that. We're, not, we're authentic in who we are and how we relate to each other. We're not fake. I don't do fake up here. What you see up here, this is me at home and at work, wherever I go. This, I'm, this has to be honest all the time, and I hope that can help others also be more transparent and honest as they walk, work, live, and breathe. Freedom from religiosity. <laughs> this is a big one. We're not into following the system of religion, and the word religion in the Latin comes from religare, which means to bind up. So when people ask me, am I religious? I go, nope. <laughs> in fact, when I do funerals, I meet new families. They say, well, we're not really religious. I say, neither am I. They look at me funny, you know, but then I, we, have a, we have a chat. But this isn't about the system of doing things to make ourselves right or stay right with God. That's a legalism, and we're going to talk about, briefly about that later. But that's freedom from religiosity. Um, by the way, back to freedom from religiosity. If there are some religious things that we do do, certain customs, um, it's because they have value. We point them out. We've stopped doing certain things because they cease to have value for us, and then we've picked it back up later because now we've rediscovered the value in those, those sacraments, in certain things that we do together as a group. Uh, there are no rules. We just kind of let God morph us and try out things. In fact, I'm getting a deeper and deeper hunger for seeing the old church, the, like the way back history, and find some of those things that we can bring and add value where for many years, people just did them as a routine, you know, rituals that became meaningless. I remember one brethren of Christ Bishop says, tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Big difference. So that's kind of cool. Great respect for the truth of the Bible. Obviously, that's a key foundation. That is our Uh, It reveals to us the love of God. It speaks to us and points to who God is. It's really neat. 
our values continued. Aware that the grace of God is the single greatest uniqueness of Christianity. I call this a grace church. Now, many churches call themselves grace church. They have the name grace in it. Isn't that wonderful? Woohoo! They're a grace church. Well, not, that's not what I mean. I mean, we are truly discovering who Jesus is and that he is grace personified. He is the one living in and out of us. And so whatever that means for us as we grow and discover, that truth is the foundation of every single thing we do. Next, the love of God is what lubricates our human relationships. This came from your son. Um, this was a, a young adult saying, hey, the love of God is so important. How does it work in our relationships? It's because we understand the love of God or are understanding it or on the journey of it, it encourage, uh, encourages our relationships to become better and better amongst ourselves. It's got to go this way too. I'm pointing this way to what God's love is for us and us to him, but it has to translate into this too. Otherwise, why are we here? Allowing people to discover the love of God which transforms hearts and motivates action. This idea of allowing people, okay? Instead of forcing it down people's throats, here, you got to finish this class, you got to sign on this dotted line and agree that you believe this, 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 this. Um, that's like anybody can sign a document and not fully agree. So instead, we want to give people time to grow Give them room to discover what the love of God is. And unfortunately, that means unlearning some things too, which I'm still doing. Yes, we learn about God's grace, but it also causes us to change our minds and watch more and more corrections happen in our theology and what we believe and how we see God. We're unique as a church, and there's a theological journey that we've gone through since I've been here, and it's been really good. This one has been huge. Part of our journey is our view of God and a better understanding of how he views us. For a long time, I thought God was mad. I thought he was angry at us. And the church at large agreed. The movies we see, the stories we, we hear, um, some Old Testament pictures and stories can, can lead us, if we don't see it correctly, at least to believe God's really ticked off and the schizophrenic. He can sort of love, but man, don't, be on his, don't bug him on his bad day, you know? So our view of God has really, really changed in a beautiful thing. First of all, in John 10 and John 14, we know the character of the Father by looking at the Son. This is truly how we get to know who God the Father is, by looking at Jesus. It was Jesus who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. First time in history that's ever happened. Every other picture, every other description, written or verbal, was incomplete. Jesus came as the exact representation. He sets the standard for who the Father is. And I believe him. In fact, do you remember the Mount of Transfiguration? When Jesus was standing there, and there's Moses and Elijah, and, uh, and God says, this is my son. What does he say? Listen to him. Wait a minute. Moses represented the law and the commandments. Oh, that's pretty big, okay? If you're going to pull a big wig out of history, he's one. Wait a minute. Then Elijah, who represented the prophets, and God said, uh-uh. Listen to him. Listen to my son. That, I, 
that blows my mind because I see the father continually raising up the son, pointing to his son, his son's reflecting back to his father. It's a beautiful relationship. God is love. It's not an attribute. It is his essence. God is love. Agape. We've talked about that several times. Uh, there's a, four different words in the, in the Greek that the Greeks use for love. There's storge, which is more of a parent love. There's eros, you get the word erotic from. You get phileo, like fish. I'm just kidding. A phileo means more of a friendship love. And then you have agape. Agape is the word God destri- describes himself as. as selfless, other-centered. This is agape. This, this is who God is at his core. And that was really cool. So that's our view of God. Next, in our theological, theological journey, we have a new nature. This was big. I didn't learn this until about 15 to 18 years ago that I actually had a brand new nature in Christ. I thought there was two of me in me. The good Mike, the bad Mike. And the one I fed the most, that's the one who kind of rose up and was in charge. Do you ever hear that? What a lie. You have one nature. It's like an oak tree. Either it's an oak tree or it's, it's, a, it's a piece of grass, whatever. An oak tree stays an oak tree all the way through from seed all the way to its full size. It doesn't become oakier as it gets bigger. It's an oak from the seed core. You as well in your nature, our singular nature, you are one with Christ. I did not know that. I did not realize until many years ago (coughs) that the old me died with Christ. And the new me has risen with Christ and it all happened at the cross. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. That was huge. Our identity in Christ is paramount. It's the number one topic in this church, our identity in Christ. And you can't ever stop learning that. Another part of our unique theological journey. We are one with Christ. We are in union with Him. I didn't realize that either because me growing up, and I used to preach this to youth groups, you know, when, when you're bad, God can't handle sin. He has to turn His back on sin. Shame on you. You remember that? Oh my goodness. To then discover that He never turned His back on me. He can't. It's an impossibility. I always thought God was distant. I did not know He was in me. Uh, really, I didn't realize he was fully in me. And the day that that happened, guess what changed in me? All those little powers of sin that I seemed to be sucked into, cut, broken. The power of it, gone. What changed? My belief. I believed I was one with Christ. It's a beautiful picture. Number four, abiding Abiding in Christ, I I thought abiding was my duty, something I had to do, but I didn't realize I was already attached to the vine. (laughs) I did a a sermon on uh, being cut off. What does that mean? Uh, I think a couple months ago. That was a really good sermon because a lot of people use that as a text. They, oh, you're going to get cut off and burned, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, And yet that text refers to a great gardener who's taking care of the vines, not cutting off branches, but lifting them up is the literal Greek word to lift up, to clean off the dirt so that it can bear more fruit. You have been created to bear more fruit because you are already attached. There is no such thing as a separation. 
I can do nothing on my own. Jesus said this all along. When he was, he modeled what abiding looks like. Constantly he said, I'm not the one doing this, but the one who sent me. I I didn't come up with these words, but him who is in me. Uh, He constantly gave credit to his father. Jesus abided in the father. Now, some of us have heard this, but what, what if we were told that the man Jesus never did any miracles? It's kind of a shock statement to get you going, I know. Um, but what if, what if somebody were to say that? I can find uh, an agreement to that now. I wouldn't before. I'm thinking, you're nuts. Of course he did. I Read it. It says it. Here's what happened. In Acts 2.22, it says, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, here it is, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. And this is the exact same method God wants to do with you. You can't do any miracles on your own, independent but God wants to do miracles in and through you. I'm not talking about the, the funky wild ones. <laughs> that, that'd be cool. I'd love that. Bring it on. But the miracles I'm seeing that aren't given much credit are the life-changing, mind-changing miracles happening in individuals as they discover the love of God and it's transforming them as individuals and their families. That's having a huge impact in society. It's a beautiful picture. John 20, 21 says, As the Father sent me, I also send you. His Father sent him, and he was abiding in the Father. We are called to abide in the Son. And it's effortless. It's acknowledging our connection. Obedience used to be a swear word in the church. It still is in many places. In fact, they clobber you on the head. You must obey your leaders. You must obey your mom, mom, Well, that really motivates me to make me want to obey, doesn't it? I'm so excited to submit to you since you just clobbered me on the head about that. (laughs) Jesus never does that. He reveals his love to us. And guess what happens when his love is revealed? We respond. It's his love that causes us to want to obey and please him. If you're in a loving relationship with your spouse... Uh, I'm sure there are times you have fights, but there are also other times where you want to just do something really nice for them, and the person didn't earn it. You just just want to love them because you love them. It's like your children. You take care of your kids. You bless them with this and that and watch their joy as they open their new present or as they go to this theme park, and you see their faces go, and as a parent, you go, wow, it's so cool to watch my kid enjoy. You didn't tell them to and demand that they obey but then they willingly love you back. It's, just, it's, it's a relationship. Very, very different. So obedience is a more, and a more beautiful understanding is moving away from our duty to live from the desire, uh, but to live from the desire already in us. God has given you a desire to want to obey. Big difference than the big club. It's inside, and it transforms your heart and your soul. Forgiveness. Whew. This one took many years for me to get. I got it when I understood my identity, but it took a long time for it to process in my thinking because it was so ingrained in me that I had to beg God to forgive me over and over. Every time I did something wrong, new forgiveness or I'm not forgiven, 
constantly. And that was my Achilles heel as a pastor. I was a pastor in Fort Erie at the time, waking up and going to church really early, praying in front of the church, God, please, 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 for all this stuff I forgot to ask to forgive me for. Please forgive me for those things too. And the stuff I already asked you to forgive me, I don't really feel forgiven, so can you please forgive me for those again? Anybody? <laughs> yeah. When I found out Jesus has forgiven us once and for all, it's changed my perspective. My prayer changes now. I don't beg God to forgive me. I beg God to forgive me when I smack him. You know, that's different. But that's relational. We need to do that. But, <laughs> but with your heavenly Father, here's, here's how I word it now. Father, what I just did was inconsistent with my identity. That wasn't fruit of abiding. I recognize and I affirm I am already forgiven. By faith, I confess my forgiveness. You know what that does to your behavior? It motivates you to not continue in that. Because you're walking in the forgiveness of Christ all the time. It's wonderful. Number seven, I didn't really think Christ was my life, but that all kind of came together when I found out he was in me. You see, I thought eternal life began when I died. You know, John 3.16, you'll have eternal life. When does that happen? Well, once you croak, then you get it on the other side. You know, oh, okay. So I didn't realize I already had the life of Christ in me. His life is my life. I don't have life independent of God. Think about that. If anybody thinks they have life independent of God, they're a God. Hello? Do you see it? You don't have independent life. The life of God is your life. This is big. Again, that addresses separation issues too. I don't have to try to behave in order to gain my acceptance from God. My personality type is definitely performance-based acceptance. And there are others here too where we want people to like us and sometimes we try too hard. That's not a good thing. What? What was that? Did I hear a heckle? Or a no? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And once I discovered that my father loves me unconditionally, regardless of my behavior, my behavior began to change. And when I start to believe that, it also affects my relationships with humans, people, because I shouldn't try to get my needs met from them either. I get mine met from Christ alone. Number eight. This is a big one. Old Covenant versus New Covenant. <laughs> I heard about this in Bible college. They kind of taught on that. And then you get busy doing ministry stuff. And then uh, years later, I took a, uh, some seminary courses and revisited this thing. This is, this is huge. To when, you, when you do a study called hermeneutics, the interpretation of Scripture, Old Covenant, New Covenant is critical in understanding how to approach the texts when it was written, to whom it was written. These are big, big questions. And most people do a blanket reading of Scripture that's all equal and speaks to everybody, and it doesn't. Can you benefit from all of it? Yes. But not all of it's written to you. It's really big. So understanding the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, that we are under the New because the Old is gone, that's big, huge. We're not under the law at all. 
Now, when we say we're not under the law, let me make something clear. We're not talking about no rules. I've been accused of being a legalistic grace pastor because we have rules and structure and order in Hope Fellowship. Legalism has to do with our understanding of how we approach God. Not this way. The rules we have are so that we function well together. So there's some order and structure. All through when the scriptures, when you see groups of people, uh, like the Israelites when they came out of Egypt, you know, God had to say, get some guys to help you run this thing, Moses. You can't do it. You need other leaders because there has to be order. Not chaos. It's kind of cool. Old covenant versus new. Spiritual warfare. A battle of the mind. What? We believe matters. What you think about God matters. What you believe about yourself matters. Each one of us will live our lives based on what we believe about God and what we believe about ourselves and what we believe about others because we'll treat them like that. If you start to see others, especially like, just look at this church for a minute. You know, Brent, a child of God, you know, a saint, holy, precious in his sight. If I see him like that, I'm going to treat him like that. Your spouses, I know it sounds funny, holy, <laughs> righteous, clean, forgiven, pure, beautiful. You start to believe that about your spouse, you should already, but spiritually speaking, it'll change your dance. In the house. It'll change your relationship, how you see each other, how you treat each other. Your tone will become kinder. It really will. Intimacy with Christ, number 10, is our goal. Just as the Trinity is one, we need to grow in our understanding of our oneness with the Trinity. What's the point of doing stuff for God if we're not experiencing His presence? You know, what, and what do we do for God anyway? We don't do anything for God. It's Him doing it in us for Himself. We're participating in the great dance of relationship. There's more importance in connecting with Jesus intimately and knowing Him, knowing His heart, than doing stuff for God, running the church, being involved in absolutely everything. Stop that if that's throwing you off. In fact, religion can hinder all intimacy with God. Absolutely. Do we participate? Yes, we do. But in the context of relationships. Looking back, the past of Hope Fellowship, the small group that met had a great heart. They wanted to grow in grace. Absolutely. What a wonderful, wonderful group. They got a pastor in. Uh, They waited a couple years They didn't have the money, so they saved up money because they wanted to honor financially their pastor, which is really cool. So they had no pastor for at least two years, and they kept doing their offerings and saving it up so they could hire somebody. And then Phil came on board, Phil Thompson, great guy. He loved the people. He was a kind man, very gentle. He ended up uh, getting cancer. His daughter passed away, um, and so he ended up not able. He had to quit. It was just too hard. So there was about nine months of... Uh, no pastor, and maybe, maybe longer, I'm not sure. Uh, if Rod was here, he would tell you, but he's, he's really sick today, so he can't come. And the small group wanted to grow in grace. They said, we want to know grace, but they weren't quite sure what they were asking. Then somehow they hired this young grace guy who didn't have it all together and still doesn't. 
So I got hired, and one of the first things I did was I sent them the book Grace Walk from Steve McVeigh. If you haven't read it, it's a great book. Great foundation. Um, I said, if, you're good, if you like that book, you'll like me. If you don't like it, you're not going to like me. It's just the way it is. <laughs> and uh, they said, this is exactly what we've been praying for. Well, let's see. So the steps kind of happened, and eventually uh, I moved here in 2003, December. Um, preached all of December, and then they hired me full-time January 1st, 2004, making this year 15 the start. It's a great story. They've been growing ever since, which is a natural product of grace, leaving a carbon grace footprint. <laughs> we have people come and go. If all the people that initially came were to stay, it would be a large place. But that's not what this is. This is organic. This is people living their lives. Some people move. Some people have kids and join other churches, and, and all kinds of stuff happens. We've had people come from larger churches to here, here, leave to go to a larger church. Who cares? While you're here, fantastic. We love you. This has a place. This has become a place of healing for people. The hurt and burned churched have come. But they've been hurt in other places, and now they just need to, you know what, I just want some good news right now. I don't want to do stuff. And by the way, you can't really serve in roles anyway for the first six months, so, <laughs> you know, there's no quick in. Some people want to get right away involved, and I'm thinking, no. Know each other. That's your job. Just know each other. Get to know people. Have coffee. Come early. Leave late. And just, just know people. Then you catch the heartbeat of this church. We're still trying to figure that out. Right now, we have a lot of ministries in this church. And in your bulletin, you're going to see one of these sheets. And I, I put this out about three years ago. This is the last time I did this. And Diane caught it. <laughs> uh, Diane Martin. She, uh, she saw an idea on this list and said, hey, can I do that? What is that? I said, you can do whatever you want with it. And what she does now, every Thursday, sets up coffee, puts a table out in the mall, and greets people. She's the hello person of the mall. She, anybody that goes by, how are you doing? And people, I've heard some of the conversations. There's some of them are, I'm glad Diane's doing that conversation. <laughs> you know, or she comes running in, Mike, what do, we, what do we believe about that? It's really fun. But she's invited people. In fact, we have some people here at Hope Fellowship because of that ministry. And this mall has come to respect her. In fact, when she was sick, the store people came by, tapped on the door, how's Diane doing? How's Diane doing? just because she had a heart to do that. We've got a lot of roles, and there are some vacancies. Take a look at them. See if something tickles your fancy. We have room for involvement. And where we don't have people in place, we don't have people in place. I'm not going to scramble like the old way of thinking, well, nobody else is going to do it, so I better do it. Well, you could do that, but then you burn out. You turn into a grump. We don't want that. Find Find in you a place that you want to get involved that you could enjoy. And some of us are doing stuff that we don't like because there are needs. We have some things we've got to get done, sorry. But there are other roles that uh, come from the desire and from your gifts, and God will put that in your heart. I trust God to run this church and bring people for roles. We've got worship teams. We have sound tech. We've got the PowerPoint people. This is all happening behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. They come together on Thursday nights and they practice. A lot of work. We've got greeters at the door. In fact, this is the easiest role. If you want something to do that's simple, sign up to be a greeter. 
and just, I think it's once, once every six weeks, something like that-ish, and you just say hello and welcome people in, and hey, here's your bulletin, come on in, and a friendly face at the door. It makes a difference. Um, we have outreach missions. Uh, we have the Love the Mall with Diane. Uh, we've done some outreach. Gonna, we have a, uh, an idea planned for the later this year that uh, you'll hear about later, but not, not today. We have missions that we've done. We've supported different missions in the past. In fact, we're doing a missions trip with kids from our church in March. Oh, yeah, Love the Mall. That is a, a, an event we do every Christmas. We uh, set up um, coffee on a cart with tons of really good cookies, and we bring coffee to every single store, to every employee, and love them all. Love them all. Love them all. Just by bringing coffee. And you know what? They love it. At first, they're like, what do you want? Where's the donation thing? (laughs) Nothing. Now they look forward to it. When are you guys coming? We, <laughs> we have that awesome apple cider that Jen makes. She makes an incredible apple cider that everybody just loves. A practical way, locally, to love. And it's been really cool. Science school, big one. Nursery, huge. As you can see the church is growing in numerics that way too. <laughs> you know? um, I haven't figured out signing school. We'd need some helpers. We need another teacher too. That'd be great. And we're going to ask next Sunday that uh, the existing teachers and parents, I, I'm probably not going to sit in the meeting because I think I'm probably too intimidating in that um, my role won't let you freely talk. So I'm probably going to back out of it because I, I really want to fix it and my fix-it mentality will step in too quickly. I don't want to do that. So parents, consider uh, how you can help. If you're not a parent anymore, but you'd like to speak to the children and help them grow, parents would love that help. It's worth, worth considering. It doesn't have to be too frequent either. Even if you're only willing to do it once a month, something is great. Big help. Um, junior high and senior high. Right now we have only senior high. Uh, we have David and Melissa. Uh, they kind of run things. It, it's, it's not a lot of activity. The high school students are really busy now, so we haven't seen a lot of youth activities. And uh, it's based on the need. Uh, men's and women's events they have had them in the past, and they're kind of casually and organically happening. We have no men's ministry coordinator and no women's ministry coordinator right now. Um, we're just letting the groups happen. In fact, uh, Karen has a, a ladies' coffee group that meets at uh, Williams Coffee Pub, I think, every couple of weeks? Once a month. So that's just a casual women. Chat. Go. Have fun. Guys, same thing. Kind of. We kind of did a breakfast here. We'll, we'll figure it out. We're not that structured. It's... It's, it's going to happen naturally instead of forcing the events. I'd rather not be too busy because otherwise we have no time to get to know friends and neighbors if we're doing all churchy stuff all the time. Church family events. We've got our movie nights. They've got the potlucks and all that. Just fun times to connect. It's, it's once a month-ish in that ballpark. Jen and Dave run that. It's a lot going on there. Um, small groups. We'll kick those off again and... Uh, uh, um, by the way, if you're interested in hosting or leading, please get back to me pretty quick because um, I want to get them rolling. We have two that are going to happen. One has already started on Friday mornings. The Wednesday night one, I'll get back to you really soon as soon as I figure out when to launch it. It'll probably be in the next couple weeks. Uh, kitchen and communion. We've got St. Maggie and uh, all of her minions in the kitchen there <laughs> with Ernie helping quietly. We won't single him out and Carol. Um, but they're there all the time. They're they, when everybody else is doing, do, 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 they're working away, cleaning the dishes, putting them away because somebody's got to do it. And they're, they're dedicated to it. 
for some strange reason, they like it. <laughs> Give me the talking thing. I like that. So you know what? Gifts. We all serve different ways. So thank you. You guys do not go unnoticed. You make great coffee too. Uh, prayer chain, we don't have the card ministry anymore. Prayer chain is uh, relaunched. Loaves and fishes is kind of, we're reworking that one. Cleaning, this is a big one. We don't pay anybody to clean. We have volunteers. We have a rotation of, of teams. It takes two people about an hour and a half to clean this whole place. And uh, it saves us having to budget money aside to hire somebody to do it. Uh, we've got, I think, five teams rotating. And so if, if that's something up your alley, let us know. We could use a team or two. It'll offset things. And it, it's not that hard. My family used to do it all the time. We needed it. And I wanted my kids involved. So they got, you know, they didn't do a great job. They had to do it again after them. They didn't see that. But still, it, they participated in, in the work. It was a great object lesson for them to participate. Admin and leadership and tellers. Um, Jen is our primary office manager in charge of finances and, and all that stuff and bookkeeping. Um, then we have our leadership team, which we're, we're going to hopefully vote in a couple new uh, team members, so I'll address that at our congregational meeting. And of course, we have tellers, people that will go out and count the offering after the service, because we have, uh, you have to be careful you don't have spouses counting together and conflict of interest stuff, so we need teams of people just to count that. So thank you for all those that do it, because it robs you of talking time. But the more tellers we have, the less often you have to do it. It's kind of nice. All right. Do you remember a long time ago a book came out called The Purpose Driven Church? Okay. I sent that book to the board too. <laughs> Oops. Because I, at that time, believed there were five key purposes in the church. And then I discovered, no, they are not the purposes of the church. Because if you make them purposes, then you make and instruct everyone to have to do them. You hear the difference? Now I found out they are the five get-tos of the church. You get to. This is what it looks like. And so we have five key things. Worship is a big part of this church. And by the way, we're not talking about music. Music's an expression of worship. Listening to this is an expression of worship. Cleaning the floors is an expression of worship. The youth setting up the food tables is an expression of worship. It's really cool. Ministry. Christ expressing himself through us, all of us serving in our different roles. That is part of what grace looks like. Um, evangelism is not about a program that we have to have running. Instead, it's an enthusiasm, a contagious enthusiasm of the grace of God. And as opportunities come up, we naturally talk to people. We don't go door to door and all that stuff. You can if you want to. So not my thing. You know, I, I have enough opportunities as I am going. It's pretty cool. We've talked about this before. Fellowship. Yep, that's a big one. Meeting needs and love. As we get to know each other, it's then that we hear each other's hearts and even struggles and are able to meet needs as we get to know each other. Discipleship. Growing in our knowledge. That's what small groups is about. That's what coffee time is about. That's what the ladies' coffee night is. It's part of discipleship because you're, because you're going to grow in your knowledge and understanding of God as you connect with people. Sunday morning you learn. It's, it happens all the time in the books you read, in the songs you listen to. It's pretty exciting. Hope for the future? I hope that we become more healthy in our relationships as a family. I don't know how to do it. I, if I could put a plan together and orchestrate the plan, I'd do it. I can't. But each one of us can just surrender and say, Father, how do you want to use me? First of all, 
what don't I know about you right now that I need to know? I'd love to grow in my understanding of who you are and how much you love me. I think it all begins there. To be constantly growing in grace. There's so much learning and unlearning to do. I, there's no way we'll capture the full essence of grace and who God is in this lifetime. Not a chance. We're going to mature in our understandings of terminology, of theology, and our perspectives. And they're gonna, in fact, I think if I'm hearing it right, from some who have gone way before me, and those who are much older, your grip on your absolute theology loosens. You don't become so dogmatic. You still believe what you believe, and some things may change, and you grow and add, delete, but you're not a jerk about it. <laughs> you don't have to be right. That's a tough one to learn in this culture, really tough. To be increasing in our overflow and expression of grace, of the grace we believe in. If the message of grace we're teaching is that good, what's it looking like in your life and are other people seeing it? Not as a measuring stick, because then we compare. That's not what that's about. But internally, Father, how can I be light, be salt, be encouragement to others? And it must be love in action. It needs to come out in all things. This is kind of where the church is at. We haven't figured it out. We're not perfect. When I invite people to this church, I always say, we have not got it figured out. We are still figuring it out as we are going. Um, that way, you drop your expectations at the door. <laughs> you really got to. <laughs> oh, So, being here, thank you. Thank you for those that are here. Um, it's, it's fun getting to know you. And I want to get to know more and more of you. And I hope this next year, one of my goals is to connect with all of you somehow better than I did last year. That's all. What it'll look like depends on our times. But I do, I want that. That's my heart's desire. Because uh, you're good people. And I brag on this church all the time, wherever I go. And I meet a lot of people throughout the week, wherever I go. So it's kind of cool. You have a reputation already. <laughs> to connect, encourage, and be encouraged by the worldwide family. This church affects places around the world. We've got the Facebook Live going, not this morning, but uh, most mornings we have it going, and then it gets put on, onto YouTube every Sunday. And we are finding people from all across Canada watching now. We're getting people in the States, people in Africa, Europe, Australia. This is nuts. Like, who would have ever thought this little dinky church? Really, really? You can't make that stuff happen. I remember when I tried to do more promotion of that, it fell dead. And when I stopped trying, I don't know what's going on. But people are tuning in. People are sick at home tuning in. And they're liking that part of it too. Some people have said, why do Facebook Live? People will stop coming. Really? Then you don't get this church family. You don't. This is about connecting. And yes, we fellowship and grow together. So pray for this church. Pray for the leaders. Pray for the new team that's coming on board. Uh, we need their insight. Uh, it's going to be a great year. Let's close in a word of prayer and then uh, have the worship team come up. We're going to take up our offering as well. Heavenly Father, this is your church. Please tap us on the shoulder when we try to take over and remind us it's yours. You are the source of all inspiration here. You're the source of all good ideas. 
And if any idea is going to fly, it's going to be by your power. So Lord, make us a beacon in this community as you wish. Maybe we, may we be willing and teachable to be used by you. And inspire us with some ideas of how to reach out if you'd like us to. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.